Good morning. morning. So great to be with you here in the house, and it's so great to be with you uh, worshiping online. I want to send a special wave over to Betts Nursing Home. I know when you're watching this, it'll be October 3rd, and we're going to be together. And the guy that's with you right now, Steve Hauser, is somebody that we love very much, uh, and he loves you too, and we extend our, uh, our love to you. Can we put our hands together and just let Betts Nursing Home know how much we love them? Man, my name's Pastor Adam. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're going to look at a a story in the Bible. Me and my dad are senior pastor. We're doing a series uh, called Found at His Feet. We're looking at things that are found at the feet of Jesus. And today we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. You can go ahead and flip there. We're going to look at the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. So um, I'm, I'm not like an athlete. I was, I was a musician, I'll, you know, that was my thing. But my kids play soccer. This is my daughter's soccer ball. You can see there's pink in it. And if you see me carrying around a pink bag in a minute, it's, it's my daughter's bag. Um, but I'm actually a, a, an assistant coach for my son's team right now. So my brother's coaching them, and I'm the assistant coach, which means I just kind of say whatever my brother says. I just kind of repeat after the coach, just, yeah, that's right. Yeah, stand up. So, so I'm back by the goalie, right? And we had a game a couple weeks ago, and I'm back by the goalie. And like, some of the kids, this is their first time ever playing soccer. They don't know what they're doing. So you, so you can't just say, go be goalie. You say, go be goalie. All right, stand in front of the line. Good. Now, see the box? Stay in the box. Don't go outside of the box. If the ball comes into the box, what do you get to do? Use these. That's right. Use these. You pick it up, you stop, you hold on to it, and then you throw it over your head. Got it. Good. The first goalie we had out on our first game, this goalie, and he was awesome. He was fantastic. Like the, a ball came like within 10 feet of him, and he's like, ah! dives, lands on the ball, pulls it in. I'm like, dude, nice. I'm just kind of leaning back, and it's like, great. This guy is a great goalie. But at this age, everyone gets a chance to be goalie, right? Like you got to, it's not positions, it's, you know, we're moving around, your offense, like we got three positions, offense, defense, and goalie. So everyone's moving around, so everyone gets a turn. The next kid that gets in goalie, it's not like the first kid. (laughs) He was standing there and he's standing there at the goal. I'm like coaching him, like watch the ball, keep your eye on the ball. He is. And he kept his eye right on the ball. <laughs> you go pick it up. I'm like, all right. I came over and coached him. I'm like, all right, you guys, can't just, just watch the ball. You got to stop it. You got to stop the ball. You know, jump for it, jump on it, drop your knee, whatever it takes. Stop the ball. Okay, got it. I come over, I say, all right, got to keep your eye on the ball. He goes, yep, yep, got it. I come up, I go behind him, and he says, still his eyes on the ball, and he says, at least I'm doing awesome. (laughs) No, you're not, kid. (laughs) I didn't say that. I mean, I encouraged him more. I was like, well, you know, you're letting some through. (laughs) At least I'm doing awesome. No, you're not even trying. You didn't even move. You're not doing awesome. That was his reality, though, because he heard me say, keep your eye on the ball. So he was doing awesome at keeping his eye on the ball. He did it that perfect. That was all he did. 
See, he had a reality that didn't match up with reality. The reality was that was the worst goalie I had seen in a while. <laughs> but his reality was he was doing awesome. That wasn't the reality. I wonder if we ever have situations like that where our reality doesn't match up with actual reality. Your reality may be, I feel lonely. That's true. You may feel lonely. Everybody, everybody hates me. Everyone's against me. Everyone's talking about me at work. Okay, that's your reality. Your reality is that everyone hates you. But the reality is very different. If you're, I mean, if you're a Christian, bottom line is you're a part of a family of God. People love you. We love each other. And if you're not part of the family of God, this family of God loves you. We want you in. There's a difference between our reality, the story that we write in our head, and the actual reality. Those things don't always line up. And we're going to look at at a story in the Bible of somebody who didn't get that. And her name was Martha. Uh, Can we look in uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38? We're going to start in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home up to him. I love this. I just want to pause right here for a second. I think it's wonderful that Martha opened up her home to Jesus. I mean, okay, first of all, let's take take, take notice. This was an interruption. Everything that occurs after this was an interruption. Being at Martha's home was an interruption. They were planning to go... It was on their way. They were on their way somewhere else. And then Martha stepped in and said, hey, why don't you come over here? Why don't you come over here? Martha opened up her home to Jesus. You know, we're going to see. Martha is about to get chewed out. But before we get into that, let's just take a second and honor Martha. It's an unpopular opinion. I like Martha. She's a little bit my favorite. She's doing, doing, doing. If it wasn't for Martha, Jesus was going to have to eat at a truck stop. (laughs) Martha did a good thing. She opened her home to Jesus. Martha didn't get chewed out because she was working. Martha got chewed out because of her attitude about working. Okay? Let's read it. I'm going to start over. Verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, or Martha, Martha, however he said it, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Here we see at the feet of Jesus, we're looking at things that are at the feet of Jesus. Our learning is at the feet of Jesus. Martha was running around, worrying about all the stuff that had to happen, but here's Mary choosing the better thing, sitting at the feet of Jesus. While Jesus was present. And you know, I'm supposed to talk about things that are at the feet of Jesus, and I'll get to that. 
But I'm going to spend the bulk of my time this morning talking about things that aren't at the feet of Jesus. I got five things I want to share, five things that are not at the feet of Jesus. So if, if you're experiencing these things, you're not at the feet of Jesus. Here we go. Number one, the spirit of manipulation is not at the feet of Jesus. And Martha had that. Did you notice? Mar- Martha was upset about this whole situation, and she was upset that Mary wasn't helping her. She didn't go tell Mary. She told Jesus, hey, Jesus, tell her to go. Who's she manipulating? Jesus. Think you could could manipulate God? Oh, Martha, 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 Martha. Martha, Martha. Turn to the person next to you and say, Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha, you can't manipulate Jesus. Tell her to help me. Martha went from managing the situation before her to manipulating the situation before her. This happens when I try to control the thing that God called me to care about. God called me to care about something, but now i got to control it. And I begin manipulating. The manipulation for her began, I think, because she had a, in her mind, she, she imagined what the day was supposed to look like. Oh, Jesus is coming. Jesus, all you, come over to my house. And she thinks what that will look like. Come over to my house. Mary's going to help me. She had this preconceived idea of what it was supposed to look like. And when it didn't happen, she didn't manage the situation. She manipulated the situation. The spirit of, I'm sorry, the, the, the spirit of manipulation is never found at the feet of Jesus. If you find a spirit of manipulation, you're sitting at somebody else's feet. I wonder if any of us ever do that. We, we have in our mind some, the way something should go. And when it doesn't, never, when it doesn't happen that way, we try to control what God called us to care for. We try to control what God called us to care about. So we start manipulating. It's not found at the feet of Jesus. Here's the second thing not found at the feet of Jesus. A spirit of obligation. Turn to the person next to you and say, obligation. Obligation. The spirit of obligation is not found at the feet of Jesus. Let's put the verse up. Can you go ahead to the verse, please? There's a, I want to show you where the, the verse says. Yeah, here it is. Luke 10, 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She didn't have to. She didn't have to. She wanted to. It was her idea, right? She wanted to do this. But she was distracted Remember, it's not her work that, was, that, she got, that got her in trouble. It was her attitude about work that got her in trouble. And she was distracted by all the stuff that had to be done. She didn't have to. Hey, Noah, what grade are you in? Say it real loud so everyone can hear. You're in 11th grade. I don't know what your parents are telling you, but if they tell you that you need to study and do your homework, they're wrong. Okay? They're wrong. You don't have to study. You don't have to study. You don't have to do your homework. You don't have to. You don't have to do that. You also don't have to pass that class. You don't have to graduate. You you don't have to be qualified to get a job. You don't have to have a job. You don't have to have a home. You don't have to not live homeless the rest of your life. But if you want to not be there, 
let me just tell you, this is the news. You get to study because you get to pass that class and you get to graduate because that will get you opportunities so you can have a job and not be homeless the rest of your life. You get to do it. You don't have to. You want to. You want to be homeless the rest of your life? No, you want to study. You want to pass that class. Obligation is the enemy of joy. What starts as a good opportunity, like right now, my kids are in first grade and preschool, and I say it's time for school, they say, yay! See, it's a good opportunity. It's a good opportunity. But I know the time's coming. Somewhere in there, they're going to lose their joy. They're going to have to go. When you have to, when you have to, the joy leaves. The joy leaves. Spirit of obligation is the enemy of joy. What starts as a great opportunity turns into obligation, and it robs us of joy. I don't have to be a pastor. I get to. I, I want to. I, I, get, I get to put people and teams together to lead a, lead a I, I get to put together a structure so that people can join groups and serve teams and there's over 300 people engaged through our church's ministry through that one mechanism. I get to be a part of that. I want to. I don't have to. I want to do it. I get to. In my faith, I don't, I don't have to go to church to not go to hell. I don't have to come here. I want to come here. I want to come here. I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to pray. Neither do you. You don't have to. You get to. You want to. You don't have to do it. You want to do it. Why? Because there's a microphone that's making funny sounds when I touch my, my coat. I'm worried about that. Okay. I, I know how to do one, one thing at a time, not two. I'm going to refocus. We get to do this. I want to come to church. I get to worship the Almighty God. I get to know Him more. I get to be set free and live free from bondage. I get to honor my Maker. I, I don't have to sing songs when we put the words on. I get to do it. I don't have to. I want to. Spirit of obligation will rob us of joy. It will rob us of joy. Bethany, you don't, you don't have to... You don't have to sing on the worship team. You don't have to. You want to. I'm so glad you, you want to do that. You serve. Guys on the camera, I mean, you're doing a great job. And I know that right now there's like, what, five, six, seven, eight people involved broadcasting and making the broadcast happen. You don't have to do it. But think about the lives that are being changed. I know there's a gal in India that follows us every single week. How, what? You don't have to be a part of that. You get to be a part of that. That's amazing. We get to do this. When we're a part of the kingdom of God, something awesome happens. Hey, Tom, you don't have to do sound. You get to. Do you know how hard it would be? Do you know how loud I would have to yell if you weren't on sound sometimes? You get to do it. And because of the stuff that goes into the soundboard and it goes out to, I don't know, they got weird stuff and it's broadcast everywhere now. Like we're even doing a thing now where people can call a phone number and join our church service. 
way cool. Why? Because people get to do stuff. They want to do it, and they didn't live around in an obligated life. This comparison in this story of Mary and Martha, the comparison is not about not working or, or working and not working. It's not what that's about. That's a misuse of the totality of Scripture if you look at it like that. Scripture is very clear that we, we should do stuff. This is about the attitude of our work. The Marys, I want to be a, like a Mary in the world. And I want to have a heart of Mary that says to the distractions, I'm t- I can't do that. I'm too busy getting to do this. I'm too busy getting to do this. Here's the third thing not found at the feet of Jesus. Number three, the third thing not found at the feet of Jesus is a spirit of victimization. Spirit of victimization. Martha has such, such a problem with what's going on. She's got to blame somebody. But who's to blame here? Let's look at it, verse 38. Can we put it up, verse 38? Go ahead and pop it up there. Let's all actually, let's all read it together. Who's to blame for Martha's troubles? A woman named Martha opened her home to him. Martha's over here cleaning dishes, being upset. Somebody should have been. Your idea, Martha. What? You wanted this. You planned it. It's your own fault. Martha, Martha. If there's someone to blame, it's only Martha. She put this together. It was her own fault that she's here. It was her own plans that put her in this situation. It's your schedule that put you where you are. It's your decisions that have caused you to be in the situation that you're in today. It was the choices you made in your life every day up to this point. It's what you've done with your opportunities and challenges that have put you in the situation where you are today, right now. But uh, let's not have a spirit of victimization. That's not present at the feet of Jesus. If you have a spirit of victimization, it's somewhere else. See, Martha started as a judge. She was over there cleaning off her pots and pans or getting whatever she was doing. She was getting stuff ready, making some mashed potatoes. And I can just imagine she's over there stirring the potatoes and there's Martha or Mary. There's Mary over there. Mary. She puts the green beans on the stove, starts them going, puts a little olive oil on top. Just you make a little noise. She's got to hear. She started over there. She started festering, I imagine. Can you believe this? And it grew until she became a victim. What started as sacrifice turned into victim. What started as a servant heart turned into a victim mentality. Why? Comparison. She started as a judge but she wound up as a victim. Anytime you start judging, you start looking at others with, you're going to be the one that winds up as a victim. That's always where it will wind up. It's the spirit of victimization. Here's the fourth thing not found at the feet of Jesus. A spirit of inaccurate interpretation. 
spirit of inaccurate interpretation. Away from the feet of Jesus, Martha interpreted a fact in such a way that led her to believe a lie. The fact was people didn't come and help her. Mary didn't come and help her. That was fact. She interpreted that fact with Jesus doesn't care about me. Jesus doesn't care about me. She became the prisoner of her own imagination. You can put that verse up there. You go ahead. Luke 10, 1040. She says, Lord, don't you care? What a tragedy. What a tragedy. She thought Jesus didn't care about her. She believed that lie. Spirit of inaccurate interpretation is never found at the feet of Jesus. So, so, so Martha says, Lord, don't you care? And basically... Jesus looks back and says, no, not so much. I mean, I I care deeply about you, Martha. I mean, Jesus cared about Martha more than Martha cared about Martha. No, I don't care about that. The mashed potatoes aren't done yet. I don't care. I don't care about the things you're worried about. I don't care too much about that. Don't inaccurately interpret this passage. This is not comparison of work and worship. This is the totality of scripture teaches that work is worship. If you do it right with the right attitude. Colossians chapter three says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Romans 12 goes on and it explains how, um, the whole of our lives, everything that our life is and does is a spiritual act of worship to the Lord. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece created for good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. Our ability to do stuff is God's masterpiece. Our ability to partner with him in his kingdom is what's so great. We are his masterpiece not to sit on the shelf at a museum, We are his masterpiece created for good works. This isn't a comparison of work and worship. I always thought it was a comparison of work work and worship. You know, it's better to worship than it is to, you know, serve. It's not a comparison of that. Jesus wants me to get in the place where I can't tell the difference. We need to work. God wants us to work. God wants us to serve. God wants us to do stuff. But I need to be filled first. If you live, if you live and work and serve at a place of being emptied, then you're going to start, um, you're going to start working and serving out of your expectations. You'll, you'll start to work out of what you expected would happen. That's the fifth thing not found at the feet of Jesus. Number five is a spirit of scripted expectations. The spirit of scripted expectations. See, Martha was so upset and she had all this to do. And I mean, she was bustling around. And Martha comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, don't you care? Tell her to help me. And Jesus had to say, Martha, Martha, twice. Now, uh, uh, no. When I read that with my eyeballs, I I read, Martha, Martha. But when I read it with my imagination, like 
Think about what Martha was doing. She was frustrated. She was flustered. She was in a hustle. I think it might have came out a little bit more like, Martha. Martha! Maybe. He had to say it twice to get her attention, perhaps. Martha, Martha! Hey, hey, Martha! I know you expected something different to happen right here. I know you have a scripted expectation of how this day was going to go. But I've got something else written. What you scripted isn't happening right now. There's something else going on, and it's better. I got something better in store. Chill out. That's my paraphrase. If I was Jesus, that's what I would have told her. The contrast Jesus makes isn't Mary, Martha. He's not making the contrast of work, worship. What he's making the contrast between is many things and one thing. Many things and one thing. There's only one thing that's important. Psalm 27, 4 says, One thing I ask from the Lord, one thing that I seek, God, I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon his beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. See, in Martha's mind, she was, she was the author of the story of her life. Anyone like to be in charge of your own life? I do. Martha, in her mind, she was in charge of the story of her life. She was authoring this book. But she was really just a character in it. Let me say that another way. She thought she was the director, but she was an extra. She thought she was Steven Spielberg directing Jaws, but really, she was just an extra running around on the beach. For my fellow nerds, just a little bit of a nerd, just a little bit. She thought she was George Lucas, but really, she was an Ewok. Just, just a part. We like to think we're something, aren't we? I mean, we are something. We're a part of the kingdom of God. That makes us something. We're a child of God. That makes us something. But in your life, you are a character, not the director. I mean, you get to make the decisions, but in the life of a Christian that's fully submitted to God, who's directing here? Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha, however he said it. I know you expected something else to happen here, but that's not what's best right now. That's not the best thing right now. I'm here. This is best. Sitting at my feet is the best thing. You may have a script in your life of how you think your, your life is supposed to go. Or maybe you used to. Maybe you're still clinging to it. I'm going to graduate high school. I'm going to graduate college. Then, within the first year after graduating college, I'm going to get married. Three years after that, I'll start kids. We're going to live happily ever after, never have a problem. My career will start on whatever year, and this is what my career is going to be. I'm going to work at the same company until I retire. Does that happen to anybody? See, if we hang, but we hang on thinking we're the director of our life rather than a character in it, you're going to get pretty frustrated. If you're a follower of Jesus, you don't get to direct your movie. You trust the director. You trust the director. One of the things I love and hate at the same time is watching shows with my wife. Because she's, she's watched 
NCIS enough times that she knows how it's going to end. And so we'll start in the first 10 minutes. She's like, he killed him. I'm like, did you see this before? And she's like, no, I just, I just know. I just can tell. Then why am I watching it? I was going to find out. I didn't know who killed the guy. I was going to, what the whole show was about. But she knows how it's going to end because she's seen that enough times. She knows how that goes. She's, another way to say that is she knows the director. She, I mean, she doesn't know Belisarius, but like she, she knows how it goes. She, she's seen that before. I wonder why in the Old Testament, book of Psalms, over and over again, they repeat what God had done. It's so for the rest of our lives, for the rest of all mankind, we can look back at that and remember what God had done, because if we know what God done, done, did, we know what God did, we know he can do it again. I know the director. I I know how this goes. I know how this goes. I I don't know all the twists and turns, but I know how it ends. I know the ultimate final destination. I know that throughout the twists and turns, I know I'm not alone. I know how this goes. The story stops right after Martha gets kind of chewed out. I wonder what Martha said back. I have no idea. But I imagine she went back and cleaned some dishes. I have a feeling she went, because she didn't learn her lesson. She didn't learn her lesson. In John 11, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, Mary and Martha's brother. John 11:20. She didn't learn. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. See, Lazarus is dead at this point. She went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. I just, I, I'm, I'm imaginative, and I think it went something like, Jesus He's coming. He should have come. He should have come. If he came three days earlier when we first, he was only two miles over. If he came three days earlier, Lazarus wouldn't be dead. We're going to have a little talk. That's what she said before she got there. Maybe. She was still trying to work it. She was still trying to control. She was still trying to manipulate. And Martha said, you could have saved my brother. And Jesus said, I... I know you had healing in your script. I know that was the story you wrote, Martha. But I have something better in store. I wrote a better story than healing. I have resurrection life in my script. Mary wasn't much better here either. John 11.32 says, When Mary reached the place when Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet Here we are at the feet of Jesus again. And she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She had a script. Jesus was supposed to come and heal. But he didn't. Jesus had a better script. He wrote a better story. Mary fell at his feet here. And do you know what was found here? The next verse says that Jesus was deeply moved. 
Jesus was deeply moved. The move of God is found at the feet of Jesus. If you want Jesus to do what only he can do, you got to sit at his feet. You got to sit at his feet. As long as you're running around controlling all the things, domineering all the things, what room is there for God? He rarely shoves us over, but gladly takes what we hand to him. Yeah. If you want Jesus to do what only he can do, you got to sit at his feet. You see, I think there's a, there's a Mary in a lot of us. There's a Mary in us that knows how to walk in step with the Spirit. There's a Mary in us that knows how to sit at the feet of Jesus. But I think there's a Martha in a lot of us that mean well, but don't often know when to shut up. We don't often know when to sit down, when it's time to sit and listen. But we mean well. The last time Mary and Martha are mentioned together is, is in the next chapter, John chapter 12. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served. She got it. She got it. She was still doing what God made her to do, good works. She was still doing, but now she had a better attitude. Mary served too. They figured it out. You see, I want to stay busy. I need to be busy about my father's business. You ought to stay busy. You should be busy doing the father's business. Wherever you go, whatever factory you walk into, whatever club you go into, whatever restaurant you walk into, you should be busy about the father's business. But if you're not careful, these attitudes will sneak in. Don't let that happen. Don't let these attitudes sneak in to you being busy about the father's business. There's four things that are found at the feet of Jesus, and we're going to put them up here on the big screen. At the feet of Jesus is our learning. When we get to the feet of Jesus, there's learning. Number two, there's a move of God that's possible at the feet of Jesus. When Mary fell at the feet of Jesus, he was moved. Number three, our identity as a son or a daughter comes into play when we get to the feet of Jesus. We obtain our identity by our Father. Our Father tells us who we are. And see, if you're a son or a daughter, see, the idea of working and serving and being busy about the Father's business with a good attitude, that has everything to do with realizing your identity of who you are as a son or daughter. See, if you're a son or a daughter, that makes you an heir. If you're an heir, then the kingdom of God is yours. And if it's yours, you want to be a part of making it awesome. You want to be a part of expanding the kingdom of God. It's yours. You're not working for somebody else. You're working for dad. You're working in the kingdom. But if you don't realize that you're a son or a daughter, you're going to work out of a place of, I don't know, it's easy to become a victim in that. The fourth thing found at the feet of Jesus is, is our work and our mission. 
our work and our mission when it's God honoring is at the feet of Jesus. Jesus wants us to get to a place where serving, we can't tell the difference between serving and worship. Together. We won't see what God sees unless we're sitting at the feet of Jesus. When you're there, you realize who you are, your identity, a son, a daughter. And when you realize who you are, you walk in step with God. You walk in the spirit. You work for the kingdom. Can we stand together? Lord, I'm so grateful that you've given us the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom. We know we don't have to do this. We want to do this. We want to be a part of your kingdom. We want to be your kids. We want to honor you. We want to tell you how great you are. So Lord, today we focus in on who you made us to be, our identity as your children. Lord, we look to you and we praise you today.